In 1 Peter, we find that people are born again to hope. But what does that mean, and how do we walk that out? Let's talk about that today on The Midweek Move. Hey there, everyone. Welcome to Midweek Move. I am Scott, and I am here with Dallas, and we are going to uh, take a journey into the epistles of Peter. Dallas, you did a great job last week kind of giving us an intro. What is this all about? Who's being talked to? Who's talking? What's going on? Uh, You guys, if you've been listening to us or watching us, you know that we are so not about bringing one verse (laughs) and pulling it out of context and using it for whatever. Exactly. We believe the healthiest version of the Word of God is line-by-line contextualization. It doesn't mean that we can't apply those promises or those things to our lives. It doesn't mean that we can't learn things from that, but it means that we need to keep it in its proper context. And when we do that, we can understand it a whole lot better, and it even gives more weight to what we learn from the Scripture by knowing what's happening in the Scripture. Absolutely. And so, um, so Dallas, today we're going to kind of take this journey into the first epistle of Peter, and we're going to kind of dive into the first 12 verses of First uh, Peter uh, chapter 1. Right. So kind of give us uh, like an overview, because I know there are a couple of words right. that we're going to talk about today yeah. and, and deal with that can... Um, not unsettled, but it can create some, uh, uh, not dialogue, but almost discourse yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to uh, what it means, what those words mean. Some of those words have been misapplied in yeah. many different ways absolutely, um, and have been misapplied to the rest of Scripture, in my belief, in my estimation. And we're going to dig into some of that as we get into it. Right. But kind of just uh, give us uh, just a little bit of overview of these these verses we're about to dive into today. Yeah. So really, like, as Pastor said, we're, we're diving into a conversation, and there's some vo- interesting vocabulary about election and foreknowledge and what that means. And the way that we're going to approach the scriptures really is going to be defined a lot by our theological understanding of these terms. Now, there are some people who are going to be listening to this, and in the first five minutes of us talking about it, they're going to check off automatically because... No, no, no. No, they're not. No, they're not, because they love us. Right. And they love the midweek move, and they know our hearts. That's it. And that's our they hope, our is motives. that they know our hearts, because that's right. what we say, we're coming out from a very particular uh, theological situation, we're going to explain ourselves as we go through it. And some people, you may not agree with us on some of it. However, just because one portion you don't agree with, please stick around with us because the rest of this has a context that you need to hear also that we can yeah, apply to everybody. Again, this- it's the contextualization and right. that's what we're all about. And and I think that is an area where if, if you don't go specifically to who's being talked about mm-hmm. in certain words, right, then you miss what, what the word of God is actually trying to teach us. Exactly. Um, and, and we can look at it from a uh, 21st century mindset. We can look at it uh, in terms of you know what we see right now, and or we can look at it from a historical perspective of what we've been taught that right. actually wasn't the word of God, mm-hmm. but a misapplication or a misinterpretation. And Absolutely. So we want to you know those of you that may be listening and maybe you've uh, maybe you've heard or maybe you've been taught. Hey, this stream of Christianity is the only one that goes line by line. Mm-hmm. This stream of Christianity, they don't even, 
they don't know the contextualization. They don't know the word apologetics. They don't know the word solo scriptura. They right. don't know. Well, I just want to say from our perspective, we do know those terms. Yeah. We do know what those terms mean, but we don't believe that God has called us to argue right. the word of God. God has called us to declare the word of God. Exactly. And to point people to Jesus. Right. And we believe that when the word of God is declared in its context and and with the anointing of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit does convict people's hearts, that yeah. the word of God is living, it is active, it is sharper than a two-edged sword. Absolutely. And it pierces your flesh and your spirit. Yeah. Uh, it can't help to because it's the word of God. Exactly. And so I, for one, have never understood that thing of, oh, they're they're in the spirit <laughs> camp. Oh, they're in the Bible camp. It's right. like, how are those things exclusive? Like Spirit it, and word go together. Yeah, right. It's like, it is it is the same, the spirit of God, the word of God. So, so as we're walking through this, we're not going to say that, Oh, we've got all the answers, and man, we're we're just perfect. We're not. We are very, very fallible, mm-hmm. but yet our motives are pure, and we're not theological idiots. Right. But we're also not saying, "Hey, we're above everyone else." We're or not we know arrogant s- with our that's right. with our we, understanding. But just just know that you may be like, "Well, the healing place." Like, okay, that sounds very non-denominational. Or some of you may be like, oh, I know the healing place is a part of the Assemblies of God Fellowship. Some of you may be like, oh, I, the Assemblies believe this, believe this, whatever. <laughs> but in all of that, understand this. We are going to stay to the text. We're going to stay true to the text. Absolutely. We're going to stay true to who's speaking and who's being spoken to. And as it has to do with absolutes, we're going to stand on those things. As it has to do with historical opinions, mm. we're going to state that it's a historical opinion and not an absolute. Right. And uh, that's where we're going to land with all this. Sounds like a plan to me. All right. Sweet. <laughs> I just wanted to get that out of the way. No, not get it out of the way. I wanted to... That's our pretext. <laughs> I just wanted to state that unequivocally that, again, we don't believe that we're better than anybody else. Right. We don't believe that we have this truth that nobody else has. Right. Uh, but we do want it to be known specifically that we are about the contextualization right. of Scripture, expository preaching. You know me, Dallas. My gift is teaching. Right. I love line by line. Absolutely. I love going through that. Uh, but I also believe that that you can still take a verse of Scripture and you can declare it right. and keep it in the con- contextualization of it without having to read 47 Versus after that. Exactly. As long as you keep it in the context. And what is the Lord saying to you mm-hmm. in that scripture? Right. You know, what is the Lord, not your truth, but what is the truth speaking to your life? Exactly. All right. First Peter chapter one and verse one, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. We've talked about this before. Um, not just with Peter, but with Paul as well. Sometimes you can see the leaning of where a letter is going to go by right. how the greeting of the writer is. Mm-hmm. And Peter is unequivocally saying an apostle of Jesus Christ. And so we know a lot of times in that there's going to be warning. Mm -hmm. There's going to be maybe some correction. There's definitely going to be teaching. Right. But there's also going to be some foundational stuff that's going to be laid out for people who may have gotten away from, Mm -hmm. whether it be schism, whether it be the law, whether it be going back to old behaviors. Right. But unequivocally when the greeting comes that's going to tell you a little bit about where that's going to where that's going to land right peter an apostle of jesus christ to the pilgrims of the dispersion in pontus uh, galatia cappadocia asia and bithynia uh, to the pilgrims of the dispersion and then he goes into verse 2 elect 
there's that word, Mm -hmm. according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Christ. So, Dallas, here we go. Yeah, so diving in first off, uh, the translation you were reading from New King James to the pilgrims of Dispersia, and then verse 2 starts off with the word elect. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of theologians are looking at it, and people who translate into like the English Standard Version, New American, they take that elect portion, they really believe that better position on the front end to the elect exiles of dispersia. And so what we have here, and I was open my notes to look at this, um, he's talking to, he's identifying who he's talking to, the elect of the dispersion. Uh, now, the elect, again, that's one of those terms that people will go, oh, this is the elect, this is the the few before the foundation of the earth. God said that this person's blessed to be go to heaven, this person's not. But we pause and look at the context of the scriptures. The yep. elect were always just, a, it was a term for God's chosen people, yep. chosen to um, really be a mouthpiece mm-hmm. for his glory, to reach the world, for the betterment of the world, whether that was the Jews, solely of the Jews in the Old Testament or in the New Testament. Now it's beyond those grafted into the vine. And so it, we're talking about a group of people who are chosen by God. These are Christians who are part of the Aspergia, according to the foreknowledge. Christian is, Jews. Christian Jews. Yeah, which takes us back to just real quick romans chapter three mm-hmm. for those who get into that argument of hey we're the we're the chosen ones now and mm. now israel's gone i still have no idea mm-hmm. in my head and in my heart how a theologically sound educated person can say that after reading romans mm. and some of them say that they can say it because they read romans exactly. but i don't know what romans they're reading because romans chapter three says what advantage has the jew and in this writing, what advantage has the Jew? Much in every way. Mm-hmm. Why? Because it was committed unto them the oracles of God. They're God's chosen people. In covenant, he hasn't taken that away. Right. They're his chosen people. But then he goes on to say, the writer goes on to say in verse 9 of Romans 3, what then? Are we better than they? Now, dealing with the Jew and the, and the, and the Greeks, Jew and Gentiles. Right. And it says... Uh, for we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin. Right. So when it comes to sin in the new covenant, everyone is under sin. And okay, well, does that mean that uh, now the Jews get a free pass because they're chosen people? No. What advantage has Zoo? Much in every way because committed to them was the oracles of God. They are a covenant people. They are a chosen people. But that doesn't give them a free pass to heaven mm. just because they're a chosen people. Because now the writer is saying, uh, for all of sin and fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Jew and Greek both, as it has to do with salvation, have to come through Jesus. But as a covenant people, as God's chosen people, God never took that away from Israel. But now through Jesus, the middle wall of separation of Jew and Gentile is gone. Right. It's broken down. And we know, according to Acts chapter 10, what happened in Cornelius' household, that the door was opened up to the Gentile world, going all the way back to Abraham and the promises and the covenant and all those different things that through Jesus now, but it's still through Jesus, even for the Jew, Right. it's through Jesus. And so that's the context and the background that Peter is writing and sending this letter, it is Jews that have that background, but these are Christian Jews who have accepted Yeshua as Messiah. Absolutely. And uh, kind of interesting aspect, because elected uh, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, 
in the sanctification of the spirit, obedience of sprinkling of blood of Jesus Christ. It's interesting here because here we see the triune nature of God expressed in just these two verses, yep. which is part of the reason why we have this theology of the three portions of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And um, so according to God's foreknowledge, which means God knew our choices, he knew what we we're going to do. But this interesting aspect here, the sanctification of the spirit, what does that mean, Pastor? Well, uh, that that sanctification is a set apart. Right. So like when people say, you know, I'm, I'm sanctification is a process. You're walking that out, but you are set apart. Right. And we know that through the scripture uh, that we are set apart by the spirit of God. Mm-hmm. How do we know that we are children of God? Our spirit bears witness with his spirit. Right. That we are children of God. Right. That we are not uh, slaves to sin, that we were not under the bondage of sin. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now we cry out, Abba, Father, we are set apart by the Spirit of God right. through the sprinkling of the blood and the right. sanctification and the atonement. All those different things that Christ uh, has 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 given to us through his death and, by the way, his resurrection. Exactly. He's not still on the cross. Right. The invitation is to go through the cross and through the grave. A lot of people think that you know, well, the cross, well, without the resurrection, though, there's no power. Mm -hmm. It's the cross, and then it's death and resurrection. The old dies and the new comes apart. So we are set apart by the Spirit of God. Exactly. And we're set apart for obedience to Jesus Christ. Yep. And so that's kind of what he's laying out. He's laying out to this right here, or at least to these people. He's like, hey, I'm talking to the people who have chosen by God to be his mouthpiece, people who have been, they've been sanctified by the spirit. They've been separated specifically for obedience to Jesus Christ, for a sprinkling of his blood. And that's the whole aspect of sanctification and purity. And then he goes, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. So he's identifying our audience that we have before us. Now it's interesting because again, this is a very Jewish audience, but as we're going to read here in a few minutes, this is also a very formerly pagan audience. Also that's involved with this. This isn't just longer, just the Jews who have been dispersed out of, uh, Rome or not uh, Israel, but we have people who have, who are possibly new converts to the gospel and they're facing some interesting tension, uh, in, in their places of living. <laughs> All right. Verse three, blessed be uh, the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through there it is, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Mm. So it's not just about the cross. Right. Uh, it is also about the resurrection. Right. Uh, because we know that uh, in that culture, there was a whole Jewish sect that didn't believe in the resurrection. Right. And they were getting rebuked for it. You, mm-hmm. you can't fully be serving Jesus if you don't believe in the resurrection. Exactly. Um, verse 4, and uh, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that's incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. Exactly. So this is this should be encouraging to everyone who's reading this. We are born again to a living hope. Living hope. Not a dead hope. Nope. We're not like some groups that have, and that their, their hope is in a, literally a dead man who has never risen again, who has left some writings. Jesus Christ is, is no longer in the grave. Jesus Christ is no longer on the cross. That's right. He ascended to the heavens to the right hand of the Father, and that's where our hope is. The early readers were surrounded by pagans who stood on false hope that stood on the works of dead men. Yep. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how else to say that. That's right. And amid these early days of persecution, original readers needed to understand that they had hope in the resurrected, resurrected Jesus, whose promise of salvation did not fade and did not require extra works to have. Yep. And that was especially true for Jews 
who could fall into that trap of right. the Sadducees mm-hmm. of not believing in the resurrection. That's why it comes up over and over and over again in many, many letters that are to Jews specifically that right. have accepted Christ, mm-hmm. whether it was dietary laws that they were going back to, mm-hmm. whether it was immoral practices they were going back to, whether it was lawful practices they were going back to, or a certain belief system over and over, the writers, the apostles, and the disciples were constantly having to deal with these things over and over and over again. Right, exactly. And again, Peter's simply trying to lay out a foundation for people. He's going, hey, look, this is who you are. Uh, Let me tell you about your identity, which we're very big here about at the healing place. (laughs) That's right. All right, verse 5 says this, uh, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. So the power of God and then faith for salvation. So this is really leaning into this place of that, you know, abiding by faith. Mm-hmm. That we, how do we stay connected? By faith. Mm-hmm. How do we stay connected to the vine? The branches stay connected to the vine through faith. Mm-hmm. Um through hope, right? You know, faith, hope, and love. The grace right. of these things is love. Abiding in the Word of God has a lot to do with love. Yeah, yeah. Old Testament all the way through the New Testament. Abiding has a lot to do with love. That means you're faithful. That means you're obedient. That means you're staying and you're not leaving. It goes back to bridegroom and and the bride. Right. All these different. That's why terminology is so important. Sure. That's why the, the wording that he is using is so important mm-hmm. because especially to the Jews when they look back to their forefathers forefathers mm-hmm. abiding was not historically in a broader sense passed down from generation to generation yeah the whole issue God had with Israel was that they loved him one moment they hated him the next exactly. he told them to do this and they did the opposite right hey Jonah I want you to do this let me get in a boat and go the other way I mean all those different things right and that this terminology that that Peter is using about abiding and faith and all these different things is for a specific specific people. Yes, it can be used for all of us. Right. But there are some issues that have been happening that he's dealing with. Exactly. And specifically, like when you read it through, uh, again, uh, some translation, I use the English Standard Version a lot. They use through faith for a salvation. Suggesting not necessarily the salvation of their souls as spirit-wise, but this is a this is a general salvation of you guys are going through a difficult situation. Which, as we read the next couple of verses, we do see that there is a trials and tribulations that are taking place in our lives, and he's saying, "Look, you need to abide in Christ, abide in God as you walk through these things, because there is a salvation, there is hope coming through the situation you're about to walk through." Yeah, in which he talks about being tried, right. And how that is what's going to get you to the heavenly promise that he's already talked about that's incorruptible. It's an inheritance that's incorruptible. It's undefiled. It doesn't fade away. Mm -hmm. It's reserved where? In heaven for you. It's an eternal promise. Exactly. Verse 6, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. Now, of course... um, they're, they're kind of being, again, we've already talked about mm-hmm. this, this living hope, this protection, this rejoicing in the midst of your situation. Right. You know, if we're to apply that to our daily lives, like, it's not easy to rejoice Mm-mm. in trial. Yeah. How do you do that? That's a fantastic question. You know, <laughs> it's not in your notes, it's, man. It's not in my notes, but it's one of those things where it's like, it is, it is a question we have to ask ourselves on a regular basis. How, and I feel like people need to ask themselves today 
before they hit it tomorrow? How am I going to walk this out when I'm in a trial, when I'm in tribulation? And um, it's simply by having a deep-rooted grounding of the Word of God. So, I would use the word practice. Yeah. So if I'm rejoicing today, no matter what's going on, and I continue to rejoice, and I rejoice every single day, mm-hmm. when I get to a hardship, mm-hmm. my first thing isn't going to be co- to complain. Sure. It's going to be to rejoice. Yeah. Man, Lord, I give thanks. Do I want to give thanks? No. This is horrible. <laughs> I don't like it. Right. But in everything, give thanks. Right. Why? Because this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. I think if we keep all of that stuff in in mind, and again, he's he's you know verse seven. Let's go ahead and read it. Mm-hmm. He says that the genuineness of your faith. Now he's talking about trials coming. Right. The genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, mm-hmm. though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. There is a key here. At the what? At the revelation of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has already lived. The revelation that he is Messiah and Savior, they've already gotten because they're believers, they're Mm -hmm. Jewish Christians. So what is he talking about? At the coming, the revelation of Jesus' coming. Mm -hmm. Well, how is that? To praise, honor, and glory Mm -hmm. at his coming. Not fear, not be anxious, not... Uh, be doubtful, but because your faith has been tested, mm-hmm. that at the revelation, at the coming of Jesus, there's no apprehension, there's no fear, even so come Lord Jesus, that it's all for the praise and the honor and glory of Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the great word is you're saying was practice. It's a, it's a lifestyle of praise, a lifestyle yep. of giving gratitude. So that when you're give praise for the for when you're in the traffic jam, <laughs> oh, that's Be, a tough one for me. You know that get praise for every red the, light you hit on the way I home. I don't today. have the anointing of the green light, y'all. I just don't have it. But when we have praise, hey, look, you know, Lord, I thank you that this is the opportunity for me to be with you alone without without you know distraction on my television or whatever it is, you know. But when we have this mindset of giving praise for those situations, when we hit those hard times, we can. We, it's it's easier for us to look to Jesus, but it also takes us having practice of being in the Word ahead of time. We yeah. can't lean on something that's not inside of us already. And I think in contextualization, it's easy for us to read this and go, "Oh, okay, man, these people were going through it, and, mm-hmm. and he is preparing them." I mean, they've already gone through it. Yeah, we read the dis, the the word dispersion, and we don't even feel the weight of that word. Yeah, everything that they knew in their life was taken away. Right. Completely. Mm-hmm. Family, home, land, all of it. They right. were driven out. Yeah. Many were murdered before they were even driven out. Right. Family members murdered. And then the rest of them are dispersed out. Right. And we think of it like me moving from Louisiana to Texas. Mm-hmm. No. I'm talking these people had been used to being around. Again, this is one thing we lose fact of with the Jews is that although they did not believe that Jesus was Messiah, they still did what many other nations and other people didn't do, mm-hmm. and that is worship one true God. Right. That it wasn't multiple gods, that it was one true God, the one true God. Right. And so in that, in uprooting everything and dispersed, they were dispersed to pagan nations, pagan people, right. things that were happening that they had only read about. Right. 
Like these Jews specifically had only read about some of the pagan things that they were walking into, whether it be Rome, whether it be Greece, wherever it is. Mm-hmm. We're talking about all-out fornication, right. open fornication. All these things were right in front of them, mm-hmm. which was the polar opposite of what they have come from. Sure. And now many of them were without their families mm-hmm. who encouraged them in the faith, and they're trying to live this newfound belief in Jesus mm-hmm. out together in a pagan country or a pagan nation. Yeah. Imagine that. Like we give our life to Jesus and most of us are are almost immediately surrounded by some type of local body. And and there's encouragement in that. They didn't have that. Yeah. And so it's like they had been used to prayers every single day at the temple. They had been used to they had been used to temple. They had been used to synagogue. They had been used to all those things and all those things were gone. Right. And now they're just trying to figure out how do we, and that lays out Peter's language that he's using in all of this, that mm-hmm. that there's hope and faith and there's an eternal promise that's incorruptible. It's not like the things you see. Right. There's, there's hope. There's something being laid up for you. All right, verse 8. Whom having not seen, you love. Speaking of Jesus. Though now you do not see him, yet believing you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Yeah. So here, Peter, he points out the source of our joy. Yep. The source source for all believers, their joy. They have not seen the physical body of Jesus. They have not, you know, walked with him and talked with him physically, but they love him and they believe in him. They have the unspeakable joy because they understand that they have true salvation in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And that's what we lean on when we go through trials. The thing that I love is that it's the salvation of being a follower of Jesus right now. And then there's the ultimate salvation Mm -hmm. of taking on something that's incorruptible, exchanging something that's corruptible, our flesh, and taking on something that's incorruptible, which is our glorified body. So he's he's almost taking them from, here's where you've come from, but here's where you are, and here's the promises you can walk in now. But even better than that, Mm. here's what's being laid up for you in the future. Right. All right, verse 10. uh, Of this salvation, the prophets have inquired and searched carefully. Who prophesied of the grace that would come to you? searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who was in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. Yeah. So here Peter's pointing out something really interesting that I, I feel like a lot of people, when we read those scriptures, we, we forget. The prophets never saw Jesus. They never experienced the salvation. They wanted it. And they didn't have it, but the readers, the original readers, they're walking in that joy right now. Yep. They're walking in that joy of, of hope of what Christ has for us. Um, the best way I can relate for it is people who have grandkids. Uh, you yourself, you, uh, you and Tanya came from a very non-godly past. You got saved and you had hopes and plans for your kids. Things that you wanted to have for yourself and Tanya, you gave that to the, your kids. And then they or now pass it on to their kids. Yeah. What's it like for you seeing that played out in real time? I think that it started with the kids that as they were growing up, mm-hmm. I would I would just have those parental moments where you just have a moment. Mm-hmm. They may be doing something just innocuous. Yeah. But yet you are transported just by seeing them do something and it transports you 
It brings you to a place. I can remember looking at both the girls at one time or another and going, man, they don't even have a fragrance of the world on them. Yeah. Like it's not even like, I know they don't understand how incredible this is. They just think it's their life, which yeah. is great. Yeah, yeah. And I can tell them where we came from and where I came from, but they're still, it, the weight of it is still not going to. And now seeing that my grandson, he, he knows nothing other than Jesus. Yeah. And, and and being surrounded with worship and being surrounded with the word of God and being surrounded by the goodness of God mm. that that not only were there's not a fragrance on our children but now there's not even a vapor that he has to deal with at all mm. because what's being passed down to both of his parents is godly living and being raised in godly homes and so there's not even a trace of any of it it's already removed from a generation and now it is truly legacy not saying that our kids are not legacy but even when you go back in 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 the past to jews the legacy was grandkids the, mm -hmm. that was always the legacy was grandkids it wasn't just kids it was grandkids right. you know isaac was the son of promise but he doesn't become israel it's jacob it's the grandson right you talk to any Jew, especially about the Holocaust, yeah. and many of them will say that you know our some of our greatest revenge against the Nazis was grandchildren, yeah. because that meant that the story would live on. Exactly. And so, I think that as he's as he's as he's putting this into them, it's setting forth this: this is what's been passed to you. And yeah. again, we see the word Jews, and we see even see the word Christian Jews in here, and we forget the past that comes with that mm -hmm. and the baggage that comes with that mm -hmm. and then when they follow jesus they're thrown out and dispersed all over the place right and those who weren't followers of jesus are dispersed and they come in contact with others who are like no you missed it jesus is messiah he yeah. was messiah it's like i can't even imagine what that was like and i think that we take it for granted a lot of times in reading these scriptures that again we take it out of context, and we forget, man, these people, they have paid a price for following Jesus. Absolutely. Like, not just going to church and your parents saying something about <laughs> you. Like, people have lost their lives mm -hmm. following Jesus and declaring Jesus, especially the Jews. Yeah. Not just that, that some of these people, they've have, they're walking in something, and they're being told by their family, you've missed it. Yep. You're following a, you're following a, a cult. You need to get away from this. And if you don't, we will never talk to you. Yep. Your whole community will not talk to you. Yep. And yet, and so you start to remind them, hey, this is what was spoken to you. This is what the prophets, this is what Joel meant when Joel was saying, your young man will, have, will prophesy, your old man will dream dreams. Yep. Take it all the way back to Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Abram, when yep. God says, you know, Yo, I will bless the world through your seed. Yep. This is being spoken to them here and now. Here and now. And then verse 12, we'll land it here. To them it was revealed, not to themselves, but to us. They were ministering the things which now have been reported to you, still speaking about the prophets, through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. So now it's like you receive the gospel, you receive the good news through those who were filled with the Holy Spirit. Right. Uh, sent from heaven, things which angels desire to look into. So he's taking them back to that Acts 2 moment mm -hmm. at Pentecost 
where the Holy Spirit was poured out, not just to be with them, but in them, and then they went out and preached the good news. He's reminding these people, listen, this isn't just something you learned. Right. Like the good news was preached to you through the power of the Holy Spirit. And you don't believe this just because it's been taught to you for 500 years of generations. You believe it because the Spirit of God has borne witness, going back to what we read at the very beginning, the Spirit of God has borne witness with your spirit that you are children of God. Right. Not just covenant people, you are children of God. Exactly. And not just that, I want to point out something that says talk about the angels. This is a salvation that is only for us. This is something that even angelic beings are like, I wish I could experience this grace and this love that you guys are experiencing. So he's really wrapping up this idea of like, look, you are going through trials and tribulations, but look at the riches you're holding on to. A grace, a love, a truth, a promise that even angelic beings who have stood in the presence of God are craving and long to have. These are the things that the prophets longed to experience. You are walking in fullness that nobody else has been able to walk in to this point. And I love the fact that he does something that some people say doesn't matter. He's taking them back to the Old Testament, mm-hmm. and he's reminding them of the prophecies that now are 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 being fulfilled and will be fulfilled. So he's using the past to remind them that God is moving and fulfilling right now, but then also that God has a future tense for mm-hmm. us that have been prophesied to us. Where we shall, uh, where we shall take on full incorruptibility. Absolutely. And so those that say, "Oh, the Old Testament doesn't matter," da 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 da. I've just never understood that. I'm like, <laughs> how do you know where you are without knowing where you came from? That's right. And how much more weight does it carry for you to know that there were ancient prophecies thousands of years ago that were prophesied that you're walking in right now? Yeah. Like that's. That's weighty stuff. Mm-hmm. And they're going through some heavy-duty stuff, but Peter's like, yeah, but check this out. Here's some heavy stuff that's good. Yeah. <laughs> 52 prophecies you're walking in right now. Yeah. A prophecy to your people you're walking in right now. Mm-hmm. A Messiah would come. You know him. Right. They didn't even know him. They didn't even believe. Right. But you know him. Exactly. And so it's just I love how he goes back brings them here and then takes them forward. Absolutely. And I believe that is a that is a proper contextualization yeah. of how to present not just you know the reading of the word of God but even our own lives. Mm-hmm. I can look back at my life when I didn't know Jesus and I can still see how God protected me. Not because I was good, not because I loved him. You know, I really didn't have any feelings about him at all. Mm-hmm. I didn't really even think about him. Yeah. I didn't talk about him. I wasn't taught about him. But even in that God protected me because he was fulfilling prophecies that had been prophesied over my life that I didn't even know were prophesied over my life. Yeah. And God was protecting me. Absolutely. And now I can look back at that and go, man, it wasn't just one moment in 1994 where I gave my life to Jesus. It was like even before that, mm-hmm. God was moving in my life. Absolutely. Good stuff. Good Great. stuff. All right. So that is the first 12 verses of First uh, Peter chapter one. Uh, next week we're going to come back and we're going to finish out chapter one, and uh, it's going to be really, really awesome. Hey, if you enjoy uh, midweek move, if you're learning, if you're growing, listen, we're all about growing and maturing, taking the next step. Uh, let us know at mediahub at thpstreetpark.com. Man, how we can pray for you. What is God doing? Like, how is this speaking to you? How are you growing through the Word of God? 
And uh, we would love to hear uh, what the Lord is speaking to you. Absolutely. All right. Until next time, I'm Scott. He's Dallas. And this is the Midweek Move. We'll see you later. See you.